0: and we are live why are you breathing heavy already did you just work out and then run to the microphone
1: i just uh, ate a bunch of steak and honey and i got testicles stuck in my teeth like yeah <laughs> yeah
0: Woo. only on this show baby uh before we before we start um uh i found paul because i uh it was in the cult of CrossFit for so many years and I still am hanging on by a thread and I always wanted to stop eating sugar and I wanted to stop eating refined carbohydrates and I, and I did it over the years. I slowly did it, you know, 15 years ago, I stopped drinking soda pop. Then I stopped eating candy bars and, and I just whittled away at all, at all the stuff, no more cereal, just slowly. But there was still some things just hanging on. I'm, I'm trying to think what, but, but uh you know, like I would still eat sandwiches with bread on them and just stuff that I just didn't want to do not 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 a lot, but I still did it, and I wanted it done. I did not want to be so I found this diet called the carnivore diet and I found it because of uh paul uh dr Paul Saladino I don't know why he's wearing a shirt today, but he is um I guess he's up in his game, and he um in that using his uh nutritional protocol, I within two weeks was able to lose all cravings for, uh, sugar and refined carbohydrates. I didn't even expect that. I was just kind of like, okay, I'll just allow myself to eat as much meat as I want. And, um, and, and, and then maybe that will help me kick it. Not only did it help me kick it, it, it changed it changed everything about me, it changed how I run my days. Cause I'm not, I didn't realize how much I chase sugar and refined carbohydrates, even though I, I, I'm hardly an addict compared to most of you knuckleheads. That being said, after about a month, I started feeling a little weird and I, and I suspected it was because I wasn't eating organ meat, which he um, is in his protocol. I kind of, I cherry picked his protocol to be completely honest. And so then I found his supplement. And um, I, I am not paid in any way to do this. I buy all of this expensive stuff, all myself. Um, Dr. Paul has done nothing for me to help me except come on my show and let me monetize his beautiful face. But, but if you're going to do it, I just wanted to make sure that for within hours of me taking the Heart and Soil supplements, uh, I, I started feeling better. It was a trip. Anyway, that's the intro And then I started bugging Paul, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, to ask him to come back on so I could selfishly ask him some questions about what supplements I should be taking. and kind of like to get a free doctor's consult. And then, a few days ago, I found out. I looked for him on Instagram, and he's gone.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't leave. They deleted me. We can talk about all of it. How do you get... So I, I, I
0: say some pretty wild stuff on Instagram, like um, you should be nice to people, you shouldn't be racist, things like that. And and it's been, and and I've been threatened. I don't know if they ever threatened to delete me. Do they actually threaten to delete you? Um, some I just people, get my post pulled down.
1: Yeah, well, some people, they threaten to delete you, and some people just get deleted without any warning. I didn't get any warning this time. They had previously said... Like a few months ago, they sent me a notice and said, we could delete your Instagram because they pulled down a post where I did a live. When I was in the airport, somebody asked me about COVID vaccinations and Instagram didn't like my response. Uh, so they pulled that one down. And then I think a few months ago, maybe more months ago, I posted about vitamin D and COVID outcomes and and they didn't like that post and they pulled that one down. And so they sent me a notice. Like maybe two or three months ago, and said, "Hey, we could delete your Instagram account," which is basically like if you don't comply, you're going to get deleted. And so I was a little more careful about what I was saying on Instagram, but I still got deleted. And we can talk about that. But yeah, do you
0: do you have any insights into specifics? Like, oh yeah,
1: so people can see it all on my Twitter. The Twitter is still at carnivoremd, and I know there's a lot of controversy about Twitter. Uh, but I do think that Twitter is more lenient and more tolerant of different opinions. I think some people have certainly been deleted on Twitter. Former President Trump, whether you think he's great or the worst thing in the world, you know, got deleted. And I know Alex Barronson recently got deleted on Twitter, but my posts have not been censored on Twitter ever. And so I just, I reposted a few tweets recently on Instagram and those I think were probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Although talking to one of my friends today... Uh, A number of accounts all got deleted at the same time. So there was an account called Millions Against Medical Mandates that got deleted, which I thought was really strange. Why would you delete an account that's Millions Against Medical Mandates? Why should we we be mandating anything medically, whether it's a COVID vaccination or anything, right? Like this is a reasonable account. There were two other people um, who were, I think, talking about their stories after getting COVID vaccination. They were vaccine injured and their accounts got taken down, which I think is quite strange. Again, this is a human being who received a medical intervention and is talking uh, authentically about their experience with it. Now, my posts were in the last week or two kind of questioning the questioning and and really just questioning, not, not trying to make black and white statements, but questioning the legitimacy of vaccine mandates in the setting of recent studies from Israel and other countries suggesting that natural immunity, that is, having had... SARS-CoV-2 infection, which we call COVID, um, would would give you pretty durable natural immunity that is better against the Delta variant and probably even the wild type SARS-CoV-2 virus than getting a vaccination. And so I said, well, if the tweet was essentially to the effect of like, why would you mandate something if uh, a bunch of people, you know, millions of people have had COVID and now have better immunity. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then I also suggested in in the tweet that like, hey, uh, vaccine efficacy is waning against the Delta variant. Pfizer's come out and admitted that. The FDA's come out and admitted that we don't know how effective the current set of vaccinations from Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, whatever, are against a Delta variant, um, which is now in some estimates 93% of the actual COVID that we're seeing. And so... Um I said I don't I don't think we know how effective this vaccine is why would we mandate it against that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either so there's a lot of questions that I was raising there kind of aimed at the mandates and 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 then the corollary questions that I always asked were why are we not talking about other adjunctive therapies which is germane to today's conversation why are we still not talking about lifestyle medicine? Why are we still not talking about changing your diet to improve your metabolic health? Why are we still not talking about getting real sunlight? Where did the vitamin D conversation go? Where did the obesity conversation go? And and why have conversations around ivermectin been censored also? Like, let's look at the data in a reasonable way. You know, the FDA did this smear campaign against ivermectin saying it was a horse dewormer. Well, it's also saved millions of lives from river blindness in Africa, like... And yeah, the doses that are being used to treat COVID in these studies are higher than that. But like, let's actually look at the studies and and see if we need to do a randomized controlled trial with ivermectin. Because what we know is that uh, vaccine efficacy is waning. And we don't know where it's going to go. But clearly, people are requiring boosters. There are many breakthrough infections now. Well, I should qualify that say there are breakthrough infections. I think that the, the, uh, you know, the qualifier of many would be relative to how you look at it. So those are the questions that I was asking. I mean, certainly in different countries, Ireland or Israel, we're seeing we're seeing an increase in in COVID cases despite vaccination. So again, I think I was noting that the vaccines are, quote, leaky, which is a term that's been used by scientists across the board now. They're not a sterilizing vaccine. There's very good substantiated evidence that when you receive a COVID vaccination, which is completely your choice, and I should say that in all of my posts, I was very clear to say that I believe that COVID vaccinations will benefit many people by decreasing the severity of the illness. So I wasn't wasn't anti-vaccine. I was just asking those questions. I thought it was a very interesting space to explore intellectually, and I went on to sort of ask, you know, uh, we're seeing these breakthrough cases of infections. We know that if you receive a COVID vaccination, you can still get SARS-CoV-2 infection. You can still become symptomatic. You can still transmit the virus. We can look at the copy threshold of the virus numbers in the na- in the nose and the pharynx. And they're essentially equivalent to someone who is unvaccinated for the first six to eight days. So... You know, whether you've received a COVID vaccination or not, you can still be exposed to COVID or SARS CoV 2. You can still transmit it and you can still get sick. Now, the severity will likely be less, which is great. But why are we mandating a vaccine that isn't sterilizing? And I think that that brings up a deeper question. I don't know how deep you want to go in this rabbit hole, but which is how do we get out of this? And um where when do we really form lasting durable immunity that will result in something meaningful within the population and that some people would call that herd immunity it's questionable whether we can really achieve herd immunity with coronaviruses but um i think that there's there's a there's a real possibility that we're not going to get to herd immunity until mostly everyone has been exposed to SARS-CoV-2 regardless of your vaccination status and so my points were if you're going to get exposed to SARS-CoV-2 which I believe you will. You better be metabolically healthy. Um, I think that there is this false sense of security that's being um, sold along with a vaccine uh, that is saying, "Hey, you get the vaccine, you're fine. You're not gonna, you know, you'll never see COVID. You'll you'll never see SARS-CoV-2. You're going to be protected. And and if you do, you're not you, that you're fine. I mean, there was even a post by the public health from Delaware. I think they had to take this down, saying." Uh, it was something to the effect of like you would have to 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 lose a pound of fat. Oh, you would, yes, you would, have you would have to jog. I reposted this. Yeah, you would have to jog three to five miles a day for multiple weeks. Isn't getting vaccinated easier than actually losing weight? And it's just like, oh my, that's they even exactly. Said, they even said losing ten pounds. They isn't getting vaccinated
0: yeah. easier than losing
1: yeah 10 pounds. losing <laughs> like, yeah losing shit. ten pound like it's hard. Just get vaccinated, and then like. I can see where they're going with it. I want to believe that wasn't malice, but it was certainly ignorance, you know, to tell people, like, don't get healthy. Just just get the vaccine was the message. And they really got raked over the coals for that, as they should have. I thought it was very inappropriate. So, look, um, I... I it's, fear... ne- it's negligent and violent. Even, yes. if it, even if it
0: wasn't meant to be, it's negligent and violent. And what do I mean by that? People who heard that could accidentally hurt themselves. Not could could purposely hurt themselves.
1: Yeah... It's never a
0: bad idea to lose 10 pounds of excess weight. Never, ever, ever. And you should never give someone an out. Exactly.
1: I agree. And so that's what I was saying. Like, look, I don't think the vaccines are going to get us to herd immunity. I don't. Especially if they're leaky and they still allow you to get COVID and transmit it. It's it's only a matter of... I think it's gonna move through the population and humans over the next one to two years can choose to stay in their homes and never see their friends and never see their family. And in that case, you may not come in contact with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And I feel for you because your life will be lonely. But if you choose to live your life, I think that the majority of us will be exposed to SARS-CoV-2. And the question is how metabolically healthy will you be when that happens, regardless of your vaccination status? End of story. And that was what I got, Essentially, that message was what I got deleted for saying. Now I'll just say, now that I've said all that, I don't know if you're going to be able to post that portion on YouTube. You might want to delete that portion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I saw also that you were asking for um, autopsies. Like, hey, can we see some of the autopsies of the people who died from uh, vaccines?
1: Not on yeah. Instagram, but on no, in my okay. newsletter. On my newsletter. Okay. So through through hard and soil, you know, one of the things I've also been saying is, look. I've been very clear about this on Instagram. I can't speak freely on Instagram, ironically. Uh, I can't speak at all on Instagram anymore. So if people want to hear my unbiased opinion, they should subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do at the heartandsoil.co website. And so in one of the newsletters, uh, I did bring up the point, like when people are dying after the COVID vaccination, shouldn't we be saying like, what, what, what are they dying of? And the problem is this, and I know this isn't a podcast about COVID, um, it's a podcast about everything. <laughs> the problem is this: uh, we don't really know how many people are having adverse events related to the COVID vaccination. That that discussion is being silenced. So one of the la- the last posts that I did on Instagram before I got deleted was that the I'm gonna basically regurgitate the the quote verbatim, and it was by and large I believe that COVID vaccinations are beneficial, but why can't we have? Conversations around side effects of these, like we can with every other medical treatment that we use as physicians. That was the last tweet that I posted on Instagram, and then the account was deleted. So that's interesting. We, we're not, those conversations are not being encouraged. You would think people would say, "Look, the message is we believe the vaccines will help more than they hurt." And I would I would say that's that's a defensible position. That's a very reasonable position to take. But shouldn't we also be looking at who they're hurting and why and how we can mitigate that and and actually accepting that these are not a panacea. They're not a perfect intervention that's gonna hurt some people. And people who haven't hurt should be allowed to talk up. And that's that's the conversation. So there, there are the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System is imperfect. It's self-reported. People will say, we don't know if there's actually 4,000 COVID deaths. That's how many is in, are in VAERS right now. If you go to the European, which is called, I think it's Udra Vigilance, or I can send you the link. Um, actually, let me, let me find it real quickly. I'll tell you the name of, this. are you, are you
0: in Costa Rica by any chance still?
1: No, I'm in no, Austin okay. right now. I've got some other podcast engagements that I'm, uh, are you going on with the big dog? Is that why you're there? <laughs> I I don't have any plans to go on with Joe, but hopefully I'll, I'll get con- together with, with Andrew Huberman this week. Is uh, that his, uh, is that his guy? That's the guy you go through to get to Joe? No, no. I text Joe all the time. The the good news was that when um, who's Andrew Huberman? Oh, Andrew Huberman's great. I'm sure most of your audience knows who he is. He's a he's a Stanford neuro neurobiologist, and does a lot of great work on um on all of this. Paul, uh, so, so part of the argument, I guess, or
0: part, one of the questions, one of the it's uh, two of the thoughts going up against each other is. When you get the vaccine, yes, you say that it there, there's substantial evidence that shows it reduces the severity of the sim- of the symptoms of SARS-CoV-2, which manifest as COVID-19, mm-hmm. versus you getting SARS-CoV-2 and building an immunity against it and the benefits of that would be that you would then be less likely to be susceptible to other variants so that the vaccine would stop a from getting um, from killing you but if you get it and fight it off your own immune system will stop b through z from killing you are those
1: sort of the two i don't think pathways? We can, i don't think we can totally say that but you're on okay. the right track okay um it it's close, but I I don't think we know all of the details that are implicit in in your statement. Um, and I, and I'm not, I wasn't suggesting in my post that he will not get vaccinated and get get exposed to COVID. I was just saying, look, um, number one, if you have had COVID, I hope your course was mild. If it wasn't, that's, that's that, that, you know, that, that, that I'm sure was traumatic, but if you're recovered from COVID, um, then you you do have natural immunity. And should we then force you to get a vaccine uh, that you know will inc- that then now you now you have some you have as you have as much immunity as anybody that's been vaccinated plus plus. And there are studies that show that if you've had COVID and you get one dose of the vaccine, maybe your immunity goes up even more but do you really need that? Like, why would we give you that much and then take this small, potentially small risk of you having side effects when you've already had COVID and you already have as much immunity plus as anyone that's had any vaccination, no matter how many boosters they've had, at least based on the data that we conglomerate, that's what it looks like. So that was my question. And then the other point, as I mentioned, that I was really driving at with people was getting them to see like the vaccines will not create herd immunity. And we don't even know if we can achieve herd immunity with the coronavirus, but the vaccines are not the end game. Uh, We're going to have to, I really believe the majority of the United States population, North American population, world population is going to be exposed to COVID. And so the vaccines do not obviate conversations around getting in the sun, losing weight, getting metabolically healthy, knowing how to know, knowing how to assess your metabolic health, right? And then knowing how to change it they don't obviate any of those discussions because the chances are every person listening to this will get exposed to SARS-CoV-2. And even if you've been vaccinated, if you remain metabolically unhealthy, you could still have a very severe reaction. Please, I hope that your reaction to SARS-CoV-2 is less if you've been vaccinated, but you could still have a bad reaction. We still need to be talking about these things because it's not gonna solve the problem.
0: So so there is evidence out there that shows that if, you, um, if you've had SARS-CoV-2, you fought it off, that you still are better off getting the um, the vaccine.
1: There is a there's a study from Israel, and I believe they're looking at antibody titers. And in the people who had COVID two SARS CoV two and then got one dose of the vaccine, they they even they looked like there was even a little bit more of an immunity benefit. Yeah,
0: because my understanding, and it's it's not broad; it's like third grade level. It's but it's very profound, third grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, is that when you get the vaccine, it basically tells your immune system, hey, just look for um, short Armenian guys on bicycles. And if you see them, get them and throw them out of the body. That basically it really narrows the focus of your immune system and that therefore other, other bad guys um, can still get to you. And and that, 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 I think, is a, a very important question to answer because if you've already had SARS-CoV-2 and you fought it off and now you have this broad immune system that can stop all the different SARS viruses, 1 through 10,000, but then you get the vaccine and it makes it so you only look at number 19. Did I explain that? Do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there are multiple proteins that can be antigenic in the SARS-CoV-2 virus. There's the spike protein, which the vaccines are... Made with a, a prefusion fusion conformation, they change to amino acids in the spike protein. Uh, but the vaccines are just an mRNA for the spike protein. But if you get SARS-CoV-2, you're gonna you're gonna have immunity, and you're gonna have uh, essentially antibodies and an immune response, like you said, against though that spike protein. It's not going to be the pre-fusion conformation; it's going to be the, the wild type. And you're going to have immunity, or at least quote antibodies, immunologic uh, awareness of multiple other proteins in the SARS-CoV-2 uh virion, the virus. 24
0: 24 other ones, right? 25 in total that you need. There are many. There are many.
1: Yeah. And so now you you mentioned you're gonna have uh you know immunity against multiple other SARS viruses. And that 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 I don't think is true, right? Because you got to be careful. We're talking about SARS-CoV-2, not SARS-CoV-1 or MERS or any any other coronaviruses, but we're talking about antigenic epitopes, meaning like proteins on the outside of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna recognize more of those when you've had the natural infection. Now, again, let's be very clear. I'm not advocating that we expose people <laughs> to SARS-CoV-2, but I really think most of us will get exposed to it regardless because this is the key point, Sivan, is even if you have been vaccinated, you can still get the virus and transmit it to someone else you can still transmit it to someone else the amount of SARS-CoV-2 in the nose in the pharynx which we can assess via copy threshold having to do with PCR testing is the same for the 6 to 8 the first 6 to 8 days whether you've had the vaccine or not so then we're all going to get exposed we're all going to get cra- exposed still
0: it's crazy that this conversation there's in, uh, do you feel like we're doing anything naughty by talking about this
1: i mean no i think we're doing a good service and i have a fair amount of certainty that if you post this on YouTube, it you, will get deleted. <laughs> That would be crazy. So
0: let's say we were discussing, let's say that um, uh, you and I did a study and we found out that people who wear seatbelts who are going less than 20 miles per hour actually did more damage to themselves than people who are going over 20 miles per hour. And let's say that if you wore a seatbelt when you're going under 20 miles an hour and you got in an accident, it actually had a greater risk of killing you than not wearing a seatbelt. And you and I were talking about that. Would that, do you think that would be a malicious or dangerous conversation to have? Absolutely not. Or, or what if we found out that baby car, and by the way, that's not true. I just made that shit up, people. No one (laughs) believed that. I think seatbelts are great. But I I think about this about baby car seats too, right? Let's say 30 million baby car seats are disposed of in dumps every day. And we found out that they were off gassing all of this poison. And actually, they reduce babies' lives in totality by 300,000 days a year, but they actually only save two babies a year. Like, could we have the discussion that baby, baby car seats are actually hurting more kids? I just find it un. Nothing in me feels like I'm doing something naughty right now. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, like when my kid pees in the car in the little toilet seat, I'm at the gas station and I pour it in some plants. I feel <laughs> naughty for that. I'm like, oh my god, what if someone sees me doing that? But I feel nothing. I, I'm not. I don't feel anything. Like I, I, I can't. I can't. I, I can't tell if I'm just an idiot or what. But I can't feel like we're doing anything wrong. I feel nothing malicious. Nothing. Um, I'm not invigorated. Like I'm start, like I'm an eight year old starting playing with matches. I don't feel any of that.
1: <laughs> did I ever tell you that I set the woods on fire and and, and back in my house? <laughs> we did a, we did a podcast on my podcast. No, but I called, love that. So that, I can't believe that didn't come up because, uh, you know, you interviewed me on my podcast, which is called fundamental health. And it was all about my life. And it was one of the most popular episodes I've ever released. Uh, probably because we talked about, you know, everything, anything and everything. But when I was young, I had GI Joes and I was playing with fire and I tried to light the GI Joes on fire and I set the woods in the back of my house on fire. And I've, I don't think my parents know that to this day because the fire department got called and, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> we never, even, we never. Admitted how, bad, how bad was the fire? It wasn't terribly bad, and like fortunately, it wasn't terribly bad. But it was. it The funny thing was that there was this part in the woods that wasn't directly behind my house. It was behind a neighbor's house, like two houses over. And we would go back there and um and and just kind of play around in the woods and like there was a, f- a fire and the fire department got called and anyway uh Mag- magnifying glass wd-40 mm-hmm. were there any i think um- it was probably wd-40 and like a lighter or something yeah. wasn't wd-40 yeah. <laughs>
0: amazing as a kid yeah like, wow
1: <laughs> so yeah i don't think we're doing anything malicious here i think what i really have tried to be careful of is that,
0: that is- was mal- that was dangerous what you were doing though that was fire i want you that to was, say okay that was, that dangerous. was dangerous yeah, yeah. Right, right. that was
1: dangerous um but, but this isn't that, you know, I'm not setting, I'm not lighting GI Joe's on fire right now. I'm just, and I think that the, the critics would say, well, this is misinformation. And I would, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know which part of it is misinformation. Um, we're, we're really just trying to, to think about the facts. And, and I, like I said, in the beginning, I'll be very clear about the fact that I, I do believe there's benefit to vaccination for some people in reducing severity of COVID infection. And, um, my 71 year old parents have been vaccinated and that makes me happy for them. Um, you know, my sister, uh, received a vaccination, uh, she's young and metabolically healthy for the most part, but she received, she chose to receive vaccination. And I think that people need to make their own decisions and I would encourage them to consider the data and make a decision uh, about the vaccination one way or the other, rather than, um, you know, just being, uh, just allowing it to chance, like do something intentional with your vaccine decision and, 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 Realize that there are many people who will benefit from vaccination, and the other thing that I feel is just that I don't think we should be mandating it, especially for people who have already had SARS-CoV-2 infection. And um, yeah, that's probably where I'll leave it. But
0: have you read this book um, called *Influence*? Um, I'm looking at it on my phone right now by Robert B. Um, Cialdini. C i a l d i n i. No, *Influence*: the *The Psychology of Persuasion*. Well, someone gave it to me the other day. Or told me to get it, so I got it on. Uh, I don't know where I got it. I guess Apple iTunes Store. And I started listening to it, and it, it's a little bit scary. Um, he he goes into this thing that basically you can you can. There's words, and once you know understand how people's minds work and brains work, you can say things to them that basically get them on autopilot. And we've all seen mm. people on autopilot before, right? It's it's kind of a, a trippy thing. And um, so one of my friends who's also reading it, he goes, yeah, he goes, that's what they did with the word Trump. They basically made it – for. they programmed a bunch of people so whenever they hear the word Trump, they basically go into this autopilot of emotion, intellectual thinking, hatred. And so uh, I, I was just thinking the other day um, – there's people who don't want to listen to the uh, global warming argument because it came from Al Gore, and there's people who don't want to listen to uh, about hydrochloroquine or ivermectin because it got associated with the word Trump. And it's a it's it's a um it's it's a fascinating book. It's a little bit slower read than I like. I like more of the pop psychology fun stuff with all the numbers, like bounce or um or, or range by David Epstein. But man, if you want to if you want to read a trippy book, uh, read this book. Influence, and in, I, I know. I know a lot of you don't – once you start spotting people on autopilot, it's a trip. It is a trip. It's it's actually – it feels like you're in a movie. And what do I mean by autopilot is basically they're not there. You can say anything to them, and they're not responding to what you're saying. They're responding to their thoughts about what you're saying or what triggered them in these patterns.
1: Their emotions. It's an emotional reaction. Yeah. And I experience this all the time, actually, because – I talk to a lot of people about my ideas about nutrition, and you can see it. And 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 there's a lot of conversations that come up now, whether we like them to or not. Whether it's a vaccine-related conversation or an environmental conversation, although the environmental conversations have definitely been um, uh, out, uh, out, uh, out, 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 just outspoken by the. Uh, they've been, you know, uh, subverted by the COVID conversation more recently. But when you talk to someone and you express a view that may be different than theirs, there's an immediate switch that goes off and they're reacting from an emotional place. Uh, I think it's almost a superpower. In fact, I'll I'll rephrase that. It's absolutely a superpower in 2021. If you have retained your ability to hold a position in consideration that may be different than than your opinion. To think someone comes to you and says, the sky is green and you say, I see the sky is blue but tell me why you think the sky is green maybe you have something that you know that I don't maybe I'm wearing maybe I'm wearing rose colored glasses and I didn't even know I was wearing these glasses and I should take these glasses off or maybe maybe there's something about me like tell me explain to me why you believe that position that is different than mine and you do that with an open mind, that's a, that's a superpower today because that doesn't happen much. People have, I think, formed identities based on beliefs and not values. And we've made our identities belief-driven identities and that creates a lot of dogmatic thinking, whether that's carnivore diet, ketogenic diet, right? CrossFit. Um, I believe in science, right? <laughs> Trump is a... <laughs> Trump is a bad person identity, right? Like bad Trump is a misogynist, bad man, misogynist, uh, or Biden is a bad person. And, you know, or, you know, or we are killing the environment or whatever, vegan, there's all these identities that are based on beliefs rather than values. And that I think is the, the beginning of entry into the matrix. <laughs> welcome there- to, welcome to your slumber.
0: Yeah. Uh, very very well said and by the way some of the key things that you'll see when someone is starting to go um, to sleep is they'll go straight to ad hominem they'll either they'll probably just directly attack you they'll become passive aggressive they'll start really letting you know what their presuppositions are going into the argument it was funny I, when I was googling around about you yesterday to see what I could find about you getting kicked off of Instagram I came across these this um, small industry that's building around you of uh, hate Paul Saladino and really it, it, I mean it, they're just videos on YouTube of people just wanting to attack the carnivore diet but it's amazing so i gave a couple of them a chance and it's it's just all na- it's just name calling it's eye rolling name calling oh i'm going to try so hard not to roll my eyes and then he goes but this is ridiculous what paul and then but i'm waiting for like like this paper here says that when you eat animals your arteries close and paul's against that and i'm like but can you give me a little more i mean it's just so it's crazy it's it's um totally open to uh to um people saying that eating animals is bad but i've also listened to some amazing amazing people speak on the other side do you, do you know zoe harcombe
1: yeah i'm familiar with her, yeah yeah
0: yeah you would love her you i can't believe you guys haven't met that's that, we, that's I, me that's me being passive aggressive because i didn't know who andrew huberman was
1: <laughs> he's great too
0: um Okay, so 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 how many followers did you have on Instagram when that happened? 257,000. And and were you kind of like expecting that to happen?
1: That's an interesting question. Why do we why do we do actions, you know? Maybe subconsciously I was like, "Come on, delete me," you know? Like, "Delete me. Like I'm going to say things that are true and that I know are going to piss you off. I could have played it safe and I had friends who are playing it safe, but I'll tell you this because for some reason, you know, when, when we talk, I feel like being authentic uh, and not pulling punches. I, I was like, you know what? I don't want to play it safe. I don't, uh, I, I, I'm spending my time and energy on Instagram and, and I don't just want to do that to play it safe. I want to do that to say something that's meaningful to me that actually gives voice to what I'm doing or what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. And, I could have just posted the same old stuff that I've always posted. And to me, that's not interesting anymore. I think that I hope my followers have found that. Now in retrospect, I realize that I'm deleted and I can't reach new people that could benefit, but there's tons of other avenues people can find me through if they really are looking for this information about nutrition. But I, I think that in my mind, I was like, you know what, I don't even care if I get deleted because I'm saying things that I believe to be true or that I believe to be to be. What word am I looking for here? Saying things that I believe to be um, insightful or connecting dots that are important for me to express, and if that gets me deleted, then so be it. I think I'm having a few, you know, reservations about the fact that it's happened now, but we'll see. So I think in my subconscious, I I probably expected it, thinking I'm just going to keep poking this freaking bear un- until people realize how ridiculous this is and. Yeah. Now I hope that I haven't forsaken people or I haven't, you know, uh, that there's people that would benefit from other things that I talk about that will not hear that now. So we'll see where it all goes, but yeah, I don't know.
0: From the, from the outsider's perspective, looking in, obviously not how it's impacted your life directly, although I'm sure it's freed up some time for you. Uh, the, The hardest thing when someone gets kicked off of Instagram is that there's a lot of people who are alone. They, they, by alone meaning for they have no one to talk to honestly and openly about what's going on, about medical mandates, about um, about basically pharma running, running the show. And so when there's people and, – and so they start to think that they're crazy, right? Everyone around them is like calling them selfish for not getting the vaccine. You're a fucking idiot. And they just get pounded. They get pounded at work. They're the only one wearing a mask. And so there's all these people who feel alone. So when you're gone – and i and i'm and i'm 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 saying this like i really know what i'm talking about but really it's just anecdotally because that's basically what my dms are full of like if i put my phone down i get 20 dms right away it seems like and they all say oh my god thank you for speaking up because i feel so alone my mom's against me my dad's against me it works against me and so but there's people like us who have these networks where without our instagram it doesn't matter meaning meaning you have like you roll with the group of people that I'm sure like some are vaccinated, some aren't, but like you can just talk freely about it, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, me too. So we built these. Networks. So I think that's like one of the saddest things about you um, being being gone. the 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 other thing that I think some people don't understand, and you can correct me. I'm open to being corrected. Is that people think, oh, there's a difference between what Paul is doing and people who be like just just speak your truth. He, but. Speaking your truth in the way that I feel like most people say it is like, Paul, I know I look like a short Armenian man, but I feel like a giraffe inside. And my my limbs feel long. And I belong in Africa, Paul. Free. And, 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 and that is not the truth we're talking about, people, when we say speak your truth. or um, we're, we're seeing... Uh, two. It's it's more like we're seeing two plus two is four, and we've seen this whole line of calculators come out that say, or that are now saying two plus two is five, and, and we want to know what the fuck's going on. I don't know if that's a, a great metaphor, but it, we're not talking about some abstract truth or some truth that's stuck between your ears. We're questioning like something that hopefully all of us can agree on that's outside of us, and we and we want to look at it. Are round tires better on cars than square tires? Like we're trying to. We're trying to have a discussion about something that's actually, um, and, and I don't mean it to belittle your truth, but whenever I hear people say that, go ahead, speak your truth. It, it, it's, there's a distinction between, <laughs> between, <laughs> between these two, uh, these two kinds of truths.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. And there's other places people can find me. I think I'll figure out how to, I'll figure out how to do Instagram again. Um, uh, there's other ways to do it.
0: I'm going to tell, t- tell you one more story here. This one's not a happy story. Uh, w- when I worked over at CrossFit Inc., there was a uh, Facebook page um, that uh, had like 70,000 followers, and it was a low-carb Facebook page, and it got erased. And it, it was just all about low-carb. And at the time, that really pissed off the CEO, Greg Glassman, and it – gate of events where Greg basically turned off our, well, and the CEO then, who is a complete fucking moron, basically turned off our Facebook, our Instagram, and started turning off all of our social media. And not only started turning off all the social media CrossFitting, didn't suspend the accounts, but actually erase them. So the millions of followers that we had, and we had a, a, a very aggressive following, basically by that I mean we could do amazing conversion. If the average conversion was one in a thousand for most accounts, this account we could convert like... 20 and a thousand. I mean, it was insane how dedicated and committed the CrossFit community was um, to just whatever we posted. And we got rid of those accounts and instantly 30% of revenue dropped across CrossFit Inc. Now imagine that. If there's a billion people on the Instagram page and, and and less than 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% accidentally stumble across the page every day at Crossfit Inc and then were to buy one of our seminars it made Crossfit Inc 3 million dollars a day i mean it was some it was something ridiculous so when you when you turn off when we turned off instagram and i was head of uh, i was the executive executive director of media at Crossfit Inc with over 100 employees under, underneath me and, and and i didn't have a choice and when we turned this off revenue dropped across the board 30% overnight and there was no way to get it back. And um so and, and there was no plan. There was no contingency plan. It was like we were on a boat that was sinking, and instead of trying to figure out what to do next, we just jumped off the boat out in the middle of the ocean, like, whoa, 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 this sinking boat was better than a than no boat. And um I don't think uh, I don't think you guys, a lot of you probably realize how truly malicious it is that someone like Paul, and I haven't talked to Paul about this, who's contributed so much to that platform. I think that his 257,000 followers are really not truly expressive of the impact he had on that platform. Um, it, it's a, it, it is a fucking mean, mean, mean thing to do to Paul. Um, to, it, 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 it's, um, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not an aggressive or violent person, but someone needs to have their face kicked in for that. I mean, that <laughs> is just not cool. That I mean, no warning, no nothing. I'm just imagine being at someone's house and they don't even like. And I don't want to say no warning, but just imagine being at someone's house and you're having a pleasant dinner and you're contributing and you think everything's good, and then people just come over and just take everything from. They rob you.
1: Yeah, you know it's. It's, it's,
0: it's, it's so, it's so bad. It's a bad form of human behavior.
1: It's a bad form of human behavior, but I think that the thing that I regret the most and that I'm most sad about is that like, I, I'll be fine. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I just want, I just want more people to benefit and to hear the message. And so I've got to figure out how to get the message out there. I was in Whole Foods, two days ago in Austin and a guy recognized me at the meat counter and he said, Oh, you're carnivore MD, man. Thank you. You helped me so much. I heard you on Joe Rogan's podcast. I was in the military and I had all these injuries and I, I cut out, you know, like all these vegetables and I started eating a bunch of meat and organs and, and I take your supplements and I feel so good. And I went to the doctor and my LDL was sky high. He wanted to put me on a statin, but I listened to your episode about LDL and the context. And he was like, man, you've, you've really saved my life. And I was like, that's freaking cool, man. And you know, whatever, like maybe if I, you know, get, get eaten by a river shark here in Austin tomorrow and I die, um, at least I helped that guy. But, you know i'm i'm forty four. I've still got some years left unless unless the river sharks decide to to gobble me up. You know, the robotic river sharks that are programmed by Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook decide to decide to end this life for me. So I just hope that in in the rest of the years that I've got, that I'll be able to uh, to figure out how to get the message out to more people because I think there's a lot more people. There's literally, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of people who could benefit from hearing about this nutritional stuff also. I think that, With regard to COVID, I think I've said what I want to say for the most part, but the nutritional stuff, and maybe we should just talk about the supplements so people get that part of the conversation too, you know, but I think the nutritional stuff is beneficial for people. And that's, that's what got me into doing this. And I think that the COVID stuff happened because I was so interested in metabolic health and I saw something going a little bit sideways, but I just, I just want to keep thinking about how to find platforms in which to like get the message out to people so that people will not continue to suffer unnecessarily. Um,
0: I It's funny When I I sent Paul an email And I said Hey can I just have you On the show for 15 minutes He's like sure <laughs> Now we're 41 minutes in and I asked him. <laughs> Paul um, Should I be taking fish oil?
1: No 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 I don't think oil. so No no Should so my kids is, be
0: taking fish oil?
1: No Okay No definitely not Okay um, So it's you know, you and I have talked about fish oil a lot. It's a good segue to the to the settlement conversation. And like we said in the beginning, the full disclosure here is that I Excuse started- me, one second.
0: Uh Haley, don't give them fish oil this morning. Please. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> no fish oil. Just throw it away. damn, I just ordered a forty-four dollar bottle. <laughs> you should have talked I to know me. better. I know better. I know don't, better. Don't do it. So, I'm, on yeah, I'm-, I'm on autopilot. I'm on autopilot.
1: I said, I. you said the word. Um, you know, the full disclosure is that I started a supplement company because I believe organs are helpful for people. And I knew my mom and my sister wouldn't take them and we can get to what things I think are helpful. Um, but that's the full disclosure in any conversation about supplements. Uh, and so fish oil, no, it's a hard no for me for a variety of reasons. So I just had Stefan Van Vliet on my podcast. He's a uh PhD researcher at the Duke Molecular Physiology Institute. He's done a really, a lot of interesting research on the food matrix and sort of the way that my interpretation of the conversation was that uh, that that isolated compounds are different than compounds found in a food matrix in terms of the information they present to our bodies. We in the nutrition space, and I would consider myself in the nutrition space despite being a medical doctor, we, in the nutrition space, have been seduced by a cult of reductionism, thinking that you can put pentanoic acid or docosahexanoic acid or alpha linolenic acid into a pill and and that that is going to be good or beneficial for a human. when you know, when it's like, you know, if you're going to get those fatty acids, which are omega-3 fatty acids, which means that there are you know, carbons in a fatty acid chain of varying lengths with multiple unsaturations, which we call, which is why we call them polyunsaturated fatty acids, and unsaturation is a double bond between two carbons. And in an omega-3, the first double bond is is three carbons from uh, one end of the molecule. And so that's why we call it omega-3, omega-6. The first double bond is six carbons from the end of the molecule, omega-9. The most common one is oleic acid. Um, is nine carbons from the end of the molecule. So omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, and a saturated fat has no double bonds in the fatty acid at all. But we've been seduced by this cult of reductionism thinking that you can give someone uh, a vitamin or a mineral uh, outside of a food matrix, and it's going to have the same effect as getting that within a food. And it goes both ways. Uh, We've been seduced into thinking it's gonna be beneficial, and we've been seduced into thinking that, uh, that eating sucrose, which is a disaccharide of glucose and fructose, in a in a food is going to be equally harmful as eating it in table sugar when it's been stripped from the food matrix. And we can talk about both sides of that coin. I think they're both uh, logical fallacies that play out pretty clearly in the research. With regard to fish oil, I'm not a fan for this reason. I think that there are studies showing that omega-3 is beneficial to humans. But the thesis that I would submit is that the benefit of omega-3 is mostly uh, to mitigate excess omega-6 in the diet. It is... Virtually impossible to become deficient in omega 3 if you are eating a quote unquote whole foods animal based diet with well raised animal products with any appreciable amount of fat. If your kids eat one egg a day or three eggs a week, they're getting totally enough DHA. They're getting enough, you know, omega 3 in that egg yolk. And if your kids eat any amount of fatty meat that is uh, fatty meat from ruminants, like a cow. You know, if they're eating hamburger, for instance, and that hamburger has 15% fat, in the fat of that hamburger, there are omega-3 fatty acids in completely evolutionarily adequate, I would say, are you optimal ranges for a human being? It's important to understand this about polyunsaturated fatty acids. This is a super important piece of the equation. Humans store polyunsaturated fatty acids We can't get rid of them easily. It's like a fat-soluble nutrient, meaning you can get too much. And when you store too much, your fat cells get enriched in omega-3 fatty acids, your cell membranes get enriched in omega-3 fatty acids, and it takes time for your body to rebalance that. When you eat polyunsaturated fats, whether it's omega-3 or omega-6, your body stores them. This is the problem with linoleic acid, which is the 18-carbon omega-6 that I talk about so much in seed oils, which is a big problem for humans. Ruminants like cows, sheep, bison have a, an amazing ability or a very interesting ability to convert a polyunsaturated fat into a saturated fat, so they don't store excess polyunsaturated fats when they eat them, but humans do so if humans go eating evolutionarily inconsistent amounts of omega three or omega six it's going to get stored and I do believe that we need omega three and some people would argue that omega six is an essential fatty acid too but there are many, many cultures of humans across the globe, whether it's Native Americans in the middle of North America from 50,000 years ago, uh, Hadza hunter-gatherers who have been living continuously in Tanzania for thousands and thousands of years, who have no access to fish and they're only getting their fat from animals. They don't get omega-3 deficient. They don't have any problems with these issues, right? You can get all of the omega-3 you need from land animals. If you wanna eat some fish from time to time, that's great. Just make sure that it's low mercury fish, but to be supplementing with fish oil is completely evolutionarily inconsistent, and you've stripped the the omega-3 fatty acids from the food matrix. They're incredibly delicate. They're oxidized for sure because they're so delicate. They have so many fatty acids, and then they're packaged into something that doesn't look like a fish to your body at all. So why would we do that? We know that the fatty acids in those omega-3s are oxidized, There, there's some degree of oxidation. Different companies would claim that they can limit the lipid peroxides, um, Rhonda Patrick, whose work I uh, I appreciate, but I often disagree with her on many issues, was recently on Joe Rogan saying that she takes four grams of fish oil per day from some special source that no one else can get um, that's not oxidized. And I think I I just call bullshit on that. Like you cannot strip EPA or DHA out of a fish and put it in any sort of container for any amount of time without it oxidizing very quickly. That is going to become rancid so quickly fast. It's insane. You can maybe put it in a pill uh and not expose it to any light or any oxygen and protect it for a little bit. But if you're going to get omega-3, get them from animal fat or get them from low mercury fish or get them from eggs. What happens when you eat rancid fish oil? It's going to create oxidative stress. So rancid quote unquote fish oil is uh this omega-3 fatty acid EPA D H A or ALA um which has had electrons stripped off. So those double bonds between carmids are susceptible to uh, oxidation, meaning they can lose an electron. Loss of electrons is oxidation. And that creates a quote-unquote free radical or a lipid peroxide, which then your body has to deal with. It has to create, it has to use up glutathione to give back an electron to manage this oxidative reductive balance in the body. So it will create oxidative stress. And there's evidence for this with fish oil, that eating lots of fish oil does create oxidative stress. To Rhonda Patrick, I would challenge like, Show me that your oxidative stress is not increased from eating four grams of fish oil per day. That's absurd,
0: but I mean, That's, but I mean rancid fish oil. like can you get really sick from that?
1: Uh, I think you it could create oxidative stress, and we don't know okay. what the long-term effects are, but it's just an, a significant oxidative stress on your body. You don't need it, right? right? So the justification on the other side is this. You know, Rhonda notes, oh, if you look at the Japanese here's observational epidemiology to suggest that their omega-3 index, which is a ratio between the omega-3 and the omega-6 in the body, um, is 11.6. Or it's, you know, it's a, it's a sense of like, it's not, it's, it's a sense of like what percentage of their fatty acids are omega-3s is the omega-3 index. Their omega-3 index is is 11. And she was boasting that hers was 11 because she's just eating all this. And they're super healthy. And it's like, okay, you don't know that an omega three index of eleven is beneficial to a human. Uh, that's an observational study. The Japanese may do many other things, right? They have may have low consumption of seed oils. They may do. They may have all kinds of other. Uh, things in their diet that are beneficial and you also see this omega-3 index of 11 associated that may actually be a detriment you know and the japanese are not taking fish oil they're eating fish so achieving an omega-3 index of 11 through fish and achieving an omega-3 index through four uh, mm-hmm. grams of a uh, fish oil is a completely different thing so the the this, The long answer to your question is your kids don't need fish oil. Omega-3 is great. You'll get tons of it in well-raised animal fat. If they're eating a hamburger with fat, if they're eating an egg yolk, you know, at hardened and Soil, we make Firestarter, which is a tallow supplement. There's plenty in there. And you pair this with... The lack of omega-6 in your diet meaning you limit excess linoleic acid and you will thrive uh, and I think that people who are pushing excess omega-3 this is a very bad thing for humans it doesn't make any sense
0: could you make it chewable you personally heart and soil make it chewable
1: uh we've I've thought about it you could with for kids what what I just suggest and this is a little bit of uh difficulty for the parents is you just open the capsule into like applesauce or whatever the kids are eating in the okay. you know you can just open the capsule up you know i did think about making like a gummy with liver in it for kids because you know you can make gummies out of some kind of fruit extract and and collagen and then put liver in the gummy uh, maybe yeah. it's something we'll do in the future but for now i just recommend my sister or your kids just and kids don't need more than like one or two capsules a day completely like they don't need a full six capsule dose uh, just open a capsule into their food whether it's i don't know if your kids eat anything you know like that they would spoon, you know, whether it's, yeah, um, I hear you apple or anything, yeah. yeah, 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 I hear you, um, so
0: I don't want to act like I didn't hear hear you in the beginning that when when you use the phrase cult of reductionism and it, may, it you, you you kind of scare me there like, oh shit, don't ask them about any other uh, supplements because they could they could all fall under there, so bear with me, I heard you, but I'm still gonna ask you some dumb questions. What about vitamin C, so I mean, Especially now. Like, I'm scared. I don't want to... I'm scared. I'm trying to build my immune system. Just in case I get SARS-CoV-2, every day I take vitamin C, vitamin D, except for the days I go to the beach, and I take 30 milligrams of zinc.
1: Tell me how great I am, Paul. Right, right, right. Okay, so... Tell me how safe I am. We'll go through each of them. Like, again, why would we take vitamin C outside of a food matrix? Um, If you believe that vitamin C is healthy for humans, which I believe it is, get it from your food. Um, And... Many people who follow my work will know that though uh, I'm extremely cheerleading for animal foods, well-raised animal meat and organs, I also believe there is a spectrum of plant toxicity, and you can easily get adequate amounts of vitamin c from uh, from fruit, which I think is a is a pretty minimally toxic animal food i wouldn't even uh, plant food i wouldn't even call it a toxic plant food it's in my opinion it's something that humans should eat and do eat so there's lots of vitamin c available in the food matrix and then vitamin d is okay if you if you live in antarctica and your job is uh, to work in antarctica in the winter and you absolutely can't get any vitamin d from the sun then yeah, you probably wanna take some vitamin D in a supplement, make sure that that the vitamin D isn't in a seed oil, even though it's a small amount, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, You'd wanna get vitamin D3, which is uh, cholecalciferol, but uh, I think much better is getting vitamin D from the real sunlight. And we know that many other things are made in the skin when your skin is exposed to real sunlight. So again, why would you strip vitamin D from the quote unquote food matrix in this situation? Get vitamin D in the wild, get your vitamins and minerals in the wild and get them as part of a quote food matrix, get them in an evolutionary appropriate context. And the evolutionarily appropriate context for taking vitamin D is the sun, which is also going to induce nitric oxide release. Uh, There's... Hypotheses about cholesterol sulfate uh, in in the sun. There's we know that the sun releases endorphins. There are so many benefits to the vitamin D from the sun. Uh, there's associations with gut flora changes when people are exposed to sunlight that may not happen when you're just getting vitamin D from a capsule. Testosterone goes up when you're getting real sunlight. So you know, and and in the in the realm of psychiatry, there's something called a seasonal affective disorder, and we've tried to treat seasonal affective disorder with vitamin D supplements and they don't work. But if you put people in the sunlight, it seems to work a lot better, right? Sunlight also is important in creating your circadian rhythms. And so why would you not get this in an evolutionarily appropriate package, uh, and if people say I can't get real sunlight, then there are other ways to do this. Uh, there's, I have no affiliation with this company, but there's a company called Sperti, S P E R T I. It's a light box that is used in Nordic countries. It's like a mini tanning bed, and you know, it's it's not one that's been deemed as like demonic, like larger tanning beds. But there are ways to get vitamin D lamps, but. You know, I, I do spend part of my year in Costa Rica and I'll tell you there is some ease that comes from living at the ninth latitude and it just feels like, oh, this is where humans are supposed to be. I have adequate vitamin D throughout the year. Uh, there's, the sun is strong here. The weather is very, uh, is very conducive to being a human. Uh, like you joked about in the beginning, I don't often wear shirts in Costa Rica because you don't need to. And the last piece I'll say about the vitamin D is that if people are concerned about skin cancer, I would really look into the literature there because... We know that in outdoor workers who are exposed to low levels of sunlight all the time, there's lower rates of melanoma than the general population or equivalent. So like, you know, getting a sunburn is probably not good for your skin, but melanoma, which is the main cancer people are worried about, is not necessarily a sun-associated cancer. Sure, if you're getting tons of sunburns, it's not great for your skin, but I also believe there's a reasonable hypothesis here that should be further pursued. That increasing the amount of linoleic acid specifically in your cell membranes of your dermis of the skin could lead to transformation of cancers more rapidly. So anecdotally, there are now thousands of people who say they burn less when they eliminate seed oils from their diet. It's just, it's such an interesting observation. Wow, And that's cool.
0: That's really cool.
1: So again, you go back to an evolutionarily appropriate animal-based diet, getting fat from animals. And I should say that the fat from animals the fat from ruminants especially is very low in linoleic acid, like one to 2%. And I think that that's the level we want to shoot for as humans is one to 2% of our calories from linoleic acid. Whereas most Americans get 10 to 15% of their calories from linoleic acid. The linoleic acid is a whole separate podcast, but I do not uh, think that the science is settled on is, is the sun the major culprit of skin cancers? That would be squamous and basal. Uh, or is there some combination of sun exposure and a an evolutionarily inappropriate context of a diet that is making you more susceptible and I'll tell you what, man, people have the hardest time separating those two intellectually. They they just can't get their head around the fact that maybe the sun isn't the major cause of skin cancer, defi- despite the fact that, you know, I spend all of my time in the sun now and I'm extremely tan and and, you know, I don't seem to have any problems with this. Our ancestors grew up in the sun all the time. People may say, oh, well... I don't have as much melanin because my ancestors are from northern countries and I have white skin. And, you know, when you're in the sun, your body adapts and it puts more melanin. Don't get burned, but go in the sun and get your vitamin D that way. The last one you asked about was zinc. Uh, again, the, the response is the same. Do not get zinc outside of a food matrix. Why would we do that? If you are deficient in zinc, it is probably because you don't eat enough animal meat. And I will say that many plant foods are very good at creating zinc deficiency because of these large molecules that chelate minerals. Things like phytates and oxalates Uh, I was a vegan many years ago, 14 years ago, I was a vegan. And though I was eating many foods that are high in magnesium, quote unquote, that are almonds or kale, I was magnesium deficient because that magnesium, that mineral is not bioavailable. They've done fascinating studies with oysters, which are very high in zinc. You can eat one or two oysters and get your RDA, your recommended daily allowance for zinc. But if you eat those oysters with black beans or tortillas, that absorption of zinc is completely abolished, completely abolished. So plant foods are very good at preventing your absorption of minerals. So if you're zinc deficient, what are you eating your zinc-rich foods with and are you eating zinc-rich foods? The problem with taking zinc outside of a food matrix is that you will imbalance your copper. And if you take, you can absolutely do this. By taking a zinc supplement, you can create a copper deficiency. And there are so many people taking five, uh, you know, 50, 100 milligrams of zinc right now because they're super afraid of COVID. Yeah. I fear we're going to have uh, more people showing up with a copper deficiency. Copper deficiency is no joke, it mimics B12 deficiency with dorsal column signs and neurological abnormalities. It can create testosterone abnormalities and hypogonadism. So you need copper to balance your zinc. Well, Lo and behold, if you're eating animal foods and you're getting minerals in a food matrix, all of this works out just fine. Uh, You know, where do you get copper from? You get copper from liver. I don't want to eat liver. That's why we make desiccated organs and hardened soil. But it's fascinating because when you eat the animal from nose to tail, you are getting zinc in the muscle. There's not a lot of copper in the muscle, but you'll get plenty of copper from the organs and they balance each other out. But if you just take zinc in a supplement, you can absolutely create a copper deficiency. And I told Joe this, you know, because maybe, gosh, it must have been six or eight months ago, he had a doctor on his podcast who was saying that zinc supplementation was beneficial for COVID. And I texted him and said, hey, you know, don't do zinc without copper. And you should not need zinc supplementation if you are eating animal foods and you are avoiding the plant foods that are going to rob you of that bioavailable zinc. Does that make sense?
0: 100 100 100 100%. It, it, what I really like is just how consistent this is. Don't don't like you should be eating within the food matrix and uh, the cult of reductionism. I don't think we need to go too much further. I get it. I, I want to say something very interesting that you brought up um, because it's something that I, I I've been bringing up a lot to people, especially in my DMs. You're saying that a lot of people are struggling with the fact that hey, it's not just the sun; it's the sun's reaction with what you're presenting it that could exacerbate or 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 or, or mitigate something that damages you versus something you benefit from. I think we're in this, I just read this book called Ravenous by Sam Apple. I think you would love it, by the way. He just came out with it. And it's the story about Otto Warburg, a homosexual Jew living in uh, Nazi Germany in the 30s, uh, won the Nobel Prize, uh, and he was also the father of photosynthesis, um, but he uh, won the Nobel Prize for basically discovering that cancer cells consume 10 times the amount of sugar as... Uh, regular cells. That was that's my simpleton understanding of it. And and, and he also uh, should have won the Nobel Prize a second time, but Hitler wouldn't let him. And, and basically, just a remarkable story of a guy who is not only gay but a Jew living in Nazi Germany, but survived because Hitler had this crazy cancer, crazy. And like one of the plans Hitler was was to kill everyone who lived in the Ukraine and turn it into one giant organic farm for food for people in Germany, and um. Cancer, after reading this book, it's very clear to me that cancer was basically the COVID of 1930. They saw this thing that was basically on the rise, and it's killing. it was killing people. And instead of changing their lifestyle behaviors, they started started searching for a cure. And even Otto Warburg says, you will not find a cure for this disease. And if you do, it sure as hell won't be a cancer researcher. And we're doing the same thing now. With COVID or with SARS CoV 2. You think you have this mindset that you're going to cure, you're going to add something to the concoction. That's going to make everything better. It's not adding something to the concoction. That's going to fix everything. It's what you're putting in the concoction. That's caused all the problem you have. It's not that there's a cure for cancer. It's not that there's a cure for SARS-CoV-2. That's just, that's wrong thinking. Uh, Some people can think that let's let 5% of the people think that and work on that. But for, but the big idea should be, hey, whatever you're putting into your body is damaging it and prohibiting it it to thrive under all circumstances. And um, now 600,000 people die a year from cancer, and we just just accept it as the norm. And if we keep going down this path, in another 20 years, 600,000 people are going to die every year from SARS-CoV-2, and we're going to accept it. And it's like, man, like – stop thinking that there's a cure he, he like, like like stop putting shit into your body stop poisoning yourself it's like you would not go into a basketball game with and, and the first thing you do is tie your hand behind your back that's what you're doing if you eat seed oils it, I, I hear you loud and clear paul if you don't work in a submarine stopping an idiot and taking vitamin d look 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 for other sources like use this as an opportunity to make yourself better and get vitamin d from real sources what's that look like um uh, you, you can go back and listen to what paul just said
1: yeah Woo. yeah I agree with you. Does that feel good to get that out? <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's just, cra- just crazy. It's just—it's—it
0: it makes me so sad. Uh, you, so I've collected—I've collected, I have collected um, hundreds of photos of kids who—kids uh, who've severely been damaged by COVID and adults who've been damaged by COVID and by damage, I mean, anywhere from death to like being on ventilators and, and all the articles that say healthy 16 year old boy dies of SARS-CoV-2. And then I look at him and he's not 100, but he's 200 pounds overweight. He's so obese that you can't see his ears or his eyes. They're like pushed into his head and the article and the article is saying that he's healthy. And you know, we just had a, a nine year old and a 15 year old die in the last week. And if you saw this nine year old, I'll text you the picture when we're done. This nine-year-old is m- maybe three hundred and eighty pounds. I mean, and they and the article says that, that 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 nine-year-old is healthy, and like if if a child can't sleep laying down throughout the night, something's wrong. It's super sad.
1: So it's sad. super sad. Yeah, it's super sad. I really appreciate your point, and I'll I'll respond to both of them. That I've always kind of. Mm, questioned this. I mean, this was the whole reason that I went back to medical school and got my MD after working as a physician assistant in cardiology. Why are we trying to cure heart disease? We should be trying to prevent heart disease and that may sound cliche but let's figure out the cause of heart disease and reverse that. Like, we're not gonna cure heart disease with a statin. we know that doesn't work. You can mitigate it somewhat and then there's other side effects and it doesn't c- correct it. I don't think we're ever gonna quote cure cancer. We might be able to prevent cancer when we understand what's happening and cancer is a very heterogeneous disease, and some people have genetic predispositions, though the majority of people, we don't understand why their cancer arises. Though with cancer, with dementia, with heart disease, with diabetes, obviously, there's a very, very clear connection with metabolic dysfunction. It's just, it's in plain, plain sight, and it, and it's in plain sight with COVID. And the thing I'll say with COVID is that the majority of people that I have seen also um, and that I've heard about from other friends who are physicians working in the hospital are metabolically unwell, sadly, who are having severe COVID. That's not to say that there are not anomalies, and I think that the media sometimes likes to harp on the anomalies. And you do hear about scary cases of people who I guess they're all scary, but you hear about anomalous cases of people who actually are not obese and have severe COVID, and those are the ones we kind of scratch our heads uh, to understand. And I'll say that the majority of people, you can look at them and say, they're probably metabolically unhealthy. So I think that if we focus on metabolic health, we can help a large number of people. And then we can begin trying to understand why some people who are not obese are having adverse reactions. And so we we don't have it all figured out, but I think we've got we've got some really interesting clues for all of this, whether it's heart disease, cancer, dementia, or, or COVID. And, and it all kind of points to the same place and I think it's, that's, that's the conversation that I think has been left out. And you know, I heard, I heard an interview the other day with uh, a prominent physician on Twitter named Eric Topol, who's talked a lot about COVID, and he's very mainstream. And, and at the end of the interview, the interviewer asks him, um, do you think that, that the, the metabolic health conversation and obesity has been left out? And he just kind of brushes it aside and says, oh, of course, everyone should be healthy. We know that being healthy is important. And I was like, that's all you got, man. That's all you got like that's maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I was like, you had the opportunity to knock that out of the park. You can't just tell your patients lose weight, be metabolic like nobody understands what that means. nobody understands what that is and I think that maybe mainstream medicine has diluted itself into thinking number one that that patients won't do it uh, that won't make lifestyle change and I think number two, they've just decided like, oh, people are just eating too much junk food. It's just as simple as that. Everybody knows how to lose weight, just stop eating junk food. I think it's a great start, but there's a lot of people who don't eat junk food and still struggle with obesity. Uh, I, I know a lot of people who say that they were, they were vegans and they were 150 pounds overweight. Uh, and so there's, there's, a, there's more nuance there that we could do for people. Uh, you know, I'll just say this, that you know, where are the million dollar weight loss lotteries? We've got million-dollar vaccination lotteries. We've got um, FEMA agents going door to door asking about vaccine hesitancy, which is great. Um, let's get FEMA agents going door to door asking about metabolic health hesitancy. Do you understand how to lose weight? <laughs> you know, like, do you understand? Uh, are are you at a healthy weight for yourself? Would you like to lose weight and be healthier? Do you understand how to do that? Uh, is there any way the U.S. government can help you with that? <laughs> do you want to enter this million-dollar weight loss lottery?
0: Uh, somewhere in my 30s, I can't remember, for the History Channel, I went out to um, Texas, Lubbock, Texas, and I uh, for two months worked on um, a show where – called storm chasers or something like that where basically they ch- we chased tornadoes and i was one of the camera operators for that show and it was a pretty amazing, it was it was cool so basically we drove through that uh corridor in, the, in north america called tornado alley it's basically all the way up to canada you know up there in montana all the way down to texas lubbock texas and when i went there i'm 49 now and that was when let's say i was uh, i don't know 30 so 20 years ago i saw people so i When I was in Lubbock, I ate a lot of all-you-can-eat places, buffets, and I saw a lot of people that were over 300 pounds. And when I lived in California at that time, you never saw anyone who weighed 300 pounds. I mean, it was like rare. It was like, holy shit, that's a huge human being if I saw them. I would see them maybe like, uh, I don't know, less than once a month where I was in California. Now I'm 49 years old. 29 or 19 years later and every time i leave the house i see someone who's over 300 pounds and i remember as a kid i was into the guinness book of world's record and i was always fascinated by those twins who were on the motorcycles they were the 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 heaviest twins in the world i've seen it remember when i was a little kid yeah and so that was fascinating to me as a little kid but it's not anymore those guys are everywhere and i I I know it's happened slowly over the last 20 years, but people I don't think realize that we are in a massive, massive tsunami of sickness right now. And um, man, uh, take care of yourself, people. Really, really work on yourself. You do not, there's not, the the only thing worse than getting in the revolving door of the prison is getting in the revolving door of the medical system. You do not want to have to need a doctor for anything other than, um, you broke your arm, or I was going to say something crass. I won't say it because you're a good guest. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, take care of yourself, people. Is there anything you would like to add, uh, Doctor Paul, before you, before I, I, I send you on your way to your lovely life?
1: The last thing that I'll say is, um, and and I'll just anticipate this this question that your audience might give is. You know, you had this guy on, he talked about COVID, you guys talked about supplements, he was talking about Food Matrix, but he sells or he owns a company that makes supplements. So what's the deal? And the thing I'll say is that if you are eating an animal-based diet and you are getting fresh organs, you don't need what we make at hard and Soil. But what we make at Hard and Soil is food matrix supplements. That's what's so cool about it. I wouldn't do anything else. I would never make a supplement that was a synthetic vitamin separated from the food. But we make liver and heart and pancreas. The one that you showed earlier is beef organs, which has all of those in it. We make testicle in a product called Whole Package. And we actually take the whole testicle or the whole heart or the whole liver or the whole pancreas or the whole spleen, and you desiccate it, and then you put it in a capsule. So the, the amazing thing about that is this is the easiest way for humans to get nutrients within the food matrix. We preserve as much of the nutrients as possible. So that's the difference about what we do because whenever I say on my Instagram, which I, you know, said previously, uh, you know, you don't need supplements if you don't, if you eat well, and I still believe that, you know, if, if someone is hearing this and they're eating an animal-based diet, you know, meat organs, the least toxic plant foods, and they're eating fresh organs. You don't really need to take a capsule with desiccated organs in it. If if there's certain organs that you can't get, like testicle, that may be beneficial, and that's why we have a variety of different organs in our in our supplement line. And it's difficult for me to get testicle. And like I said when I started this podcast, I had testicle in my teeth because I really enjoy eating testicle as a man. Uh, I think it's very beneficial, and um, so that's that's a benefit. But these are these are the, from which animal? From which animal? It's a cow. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it were like a Sasquatch, but. Maybe people wouldn't like that, I don't know. Uh, can you imagine eating like te- Sasquatch? Anyway, testicles, that be good. Can- Is the Sasquatch real? <laughs> no, it's not real. Okay. But these are food, these are food matrix, these are food matrix supplements. So you're not, they're not even a supplement, they're food. Uh, You don't need them if you're getting fresh organs, but I definitely think they'll level up your life if you're not. So that's the last thing I'll say about that.
0: I use the Sasquatch metaphor a lot to explain to people that, like, hey, just because you have an idea of something doesn't mean it's real. And you have to know the distinction between your ideas and reality. So we could talk about the Sasquatch all you want. There could be a store that sells haircuts for Sasquatches, it still does not make them real. It's just an idea. So when you brought up the Sasquatch, I mean, shit, I can see, I can see our minds are in the same.
1: Melding. I'll tell you the yes. Sasquatch story and then we can okay. jump off. Okay. So when I was interviewing for physician assistant school, this is before I went to medical school, I interviewed at Emory and I think it was, I'd been a ski bomb and I'd been away from academia for years and years and it was my first interview for PA school and I was pretty nervous. Um, and they, they, they asked me and I'd spent the last six years in Bend, Oregon and Jackson, Wyoming and uh, New Zealand skiing and 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 you know and mountain biking and being in the woods a lot and running. So I was really in the wilderness a lot. And especially living in the Pacific Northwest, I'd, I'd thought about Sasquatch a lot because uh, you get really far out in the wilderness when you're on long runs there. And they said, what would you do if you couldn't, if you weren't gonna go to PA school? And I said, I'd be Sasquatch. I'd be Bigfoot. (laughs) And you're slowly turning into Bigfoot now. I'm a little bit of a jungle Bigfoot now, man. Um, So I said I'd be Bigfoot. I'd be Bigfoot. And... I don't think it landed well. I didn't get into Emory. And I told my dad about that story. You know, I was coming back. I was so proud of myself. I thought it was so clever. And I I stand by it. It was a very clever answer. They just weren't ready for me and they didn't understand why because that's absolutely the answer. Like if I weren't going to do what I'm doing now, if I weren't gonna be someone, if I were not someone who talked to you on podcasts and just really kind of put my heart out there to get this information out, to help people, I would be Sasquatch. I would be Bigfoot. I would be living in the wilderness um, because that's also fascinating for me too. What is it like for a human to go back to the wilderness? I would probably go to Tanzania and ask the Hadza who I visited in February of this year, if I could just live with them, like I would go back to being a hunter gatherer. Uh, that, that to me is, that's where I would be next. You know, if I weren't going to do this, I would be, I would be in the woods looking for Mrs. Sasquatch, Mrs. Bigfoot and just, you know, spending time really, really steeped in nature and trying to understand that. I don't know if I would do that forever, but that's still what I would do. If I weren't doing this, I would still be Bigfoot. And, you know, Emery can, you know, suck an egg because I don't care about them anymore. I ended up getting into No, that is
0: actually caring about them. You told them to suck an egg. Actually, we talked about that in the beginning of the show. That's actually a good idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? He didn't
0: what One last question. Is there a is there a Mrs. Sasquatch in your sights these days?
1: I mean, this is so funny because we – uh we talked about this on, on my podcast. Yes. And, and there, were, there were a lot of responses to that, but I'm still single, man. I'm still. Oh, all right. I'm, there's, there's, no, there's no Mrs. Bigfoot in the, in the sites these days, but I'm sure she's out there somewhere.
0: She is. Guys, thanks for listening. Woo. Uh, we will um, have Paula on again when he gets kicked off of Twitter.
1: <laughs> no, I'm never going to get it on Twitter.
0: <laughs> Bam.